0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing whether or not to wear protective face masks. Peter I notice you're not wearing a protective face mask right now.
1: I'm not. Well, none of us are actually. No. Uh, well, this this is. Uh, so I had a sort of a semi-epiphany fairly recently hmm. about the sort of prevalence of this kind of thinking or this kind of justification for people taking certain actions. And it's not it's not new. And this isn't an original idea of mine at all. But uh, hmm. it just it just struck me how prevalent it is. Uh, of politicians, of people, in the, of people in the com, uh, public eye, and in everyday life, justifying why they're doing things using very uh, what sometimes called binary thinking. Mm. So, for the example that Fraser gives is, you know, masks aren't one hundred percent effective, so I'm not wearing one. Mm. Uh, it's kind of missing the entire point about mm. masks. So, just to drill in quickly to masks: so masks aren't one hundred percent effective. Nothing is ever. Well, I mean, just
0: for for you know, post-apocalypse future generations who might find this somewhere. Yeah. When the still actually at the beginning of a second wave of the global pandemic of, of coronavirus, right? Yeah. And so everyone's being told to wear well, masks. Uh, yeah, so. or
1: indeed the sort of the uh, the, the the transgalactic uh, um, archaeologists who discover yeah. remnants of the human race and find yeah. this podcast. Yeah. You know, there were people. Ten who years believed, from now, there were people who believed that the masks were generally a good idea. Yeah. Because uh, because they were. Not worse than not wearing a mask. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, so they're not 100% effective, but even if, even with a small amount of effectiveness, like 20, 30%, they would have benefit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so so wearing one is generally a good idea under certain circumstances. Also, the, the idea that because it's not useful for me, I'm not going to do it, but that's an unrelated issue. So it's this, it's this kind of binary thinking. Um, like, it's, it's not 100% good, so why do it? Or it's not good... I don't believe it to be good, yeah. So I'm not going to do it uh, without any kind of exploration as to what benefits there might be, yeah, um, or what the alternative is, uh, being you know which may be worse. So it's um, an interesting sort of uh, common, like uh, logical fallacy, I think, is sort of out there, yeah, um, that that is very very prevalent. Certainly, I don't know if it's any more prevalent now, but it seems to be very prevalent currently.
0: So it's a kind of full on or off way of approaching decisions, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's as you were saying, you, you feel it's quite prevalent at the moment um, amongst politicians, but also, I guess, sort of ranty people on Facebook. I suppose. Yeah, I think
2: we've done we've done a we did a podcast um, last year, I think, about polarization. Right and that problem certainly hasn't gone away and i think polarization you know tends it's either concomitant with or caused by or at least causes this kind of thinking yeah um uh, particularly about you know so that the way that people approach debates yeah is if you think about um the kinds of things you might be you know i well i i might express kg thoughts about something such mm. as you know if i were to say well i think the government's made some significant mistakes in its hand- handling of covid19 mm. i think you know a lot of people would hear that and therefore assume probably just assume that i must be a big labor supporting yeah, you're a you massive know, anti- communist that i hate yeah. Boris johnson um that you know i uh, and uh uh, where you know, uh, you know where and at this you know to flip it round if i said you know i don't i don't agree with people tearing down statues of slave owners a lot mm. of people would hear that and assume you i'm a big kind racist, of racist yeah a big yeah. Uh, sort of bmp supporting um racist so so uh i i think it's i i think this is um as prevalent as ever. I mean, you know, we looked at a lot of evidence for polarization, uh, and it does look on many measures like we are more polarized now. So I think we're probably seeing more of this kind of thing now. Mm. Um, more of this, you know. Uh, yeah, as Peter says, binary thinking. Okay. I mean, basically, there's 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 w- binary thinkers, yeah. and there's and there's everyone else. And I hate binary <laughs> thinkers. <laughs> Very
0: droll. Yeah. Um, okay. I wish I could remember our previous podcast. So that's good. So we concluded that polarisation has increased. Yeah, and I think this is one of the one of the issues. I can send you a link to it if
1: you like. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Peter. Thanks.
0: Um, okay, well, we'll look. so where do we want to go with
1: this? I mean, we're only just starting the podcast, but I mean, so... So I, th- I think it, ha- it would help if we... Um, so in the mask case, the mask case might not be inherently useful because hmm. I think in the, in, in the case of wearing masks, it's often as a a rationalization of why they don't want to wear a mask. Mm. And this is sort of their, their excuse or their smokescreen, which covers some more fundamental belief or reasoning. So uh, I think, and, and I think mo- most of the time when it comes to masks, people don't want to wear one because it's slightly unpleasant and a mm. bit of inconvenience. Yeah. And they come up with an excuse that, not, yeah. that it's not hundred percent effective. Yes. But it's that, but it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, what's what I object to or I'm worried about is the fact that it's seen as a, as a, as a, as a, a reasonable response is to have this completely binary approach, yeah yeah rather than you know having a more reasoned, more nuanced argument as to why, I you know why one shouldn't wear a mask. Yeah. It's kind of like oh, it's not 100 effective. Why, yeah. What's the point? Um, so it's sort of distancing it, separating it out from the rationalization thing. It's not. Let's consider. I want to consider it as like a, a, as a a a dangerous mode of thinking or or a naive mode of thinking Mm. that that uh, leads you down the wrong path. Leads you down the wrong path. Leads to bad decisions. And but something that you can train yourself out of. Yeah,
0: and also, I mean, just to say, it does go to the heart of of what you guys do and what we talk about on this podcast, which is about analysis and decision making. Right. Mm. This is purely that. That's exactly what we're talking about. Mm. So. I mean, yeah I mean sort of a comfort with the idea that things are um,
2: you know things that look like they might be binary or actually quantitative in nature and continuous rather than discontinuous and um, you know being comfortable with uncertainty and 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 so i mean in the in the psychology literature there 's a few phenomena which which this maps onto, and I think the one that it maps most closely onto is um, ambiguity and tolerance, which is something that was first talked about in one thousand nine hundred and forty nine by mm. um uh, Frankel Brunswick. Um, who was looking at children and ethnocentrism, mm. and um, she sort of noted that there was a there was a, a connection between authoritarianism mm. in terms of your personality and ambiguity intolerance. So the kinds of things that that constitute ambiguity intolerance is sort of the need for categorization, so the mm. need to have labels on things, the the, the desire for things to be certain. Um, uh, the uh, dislike of allowing that some people have good and bad traits uh, accepting a- simplistic attitude statements about life you yeah. know Um Uh, Only a Sith deals in absolutes. We Mm. all know that. Um, A preference for familiar things. Only a what deals in absolutes? A Sith.
0: A Sith. Of course. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, You've got no idea what a Sith is. I know exactly what a Sith is.
1: What's a Sith?
0: It's that Star Wars thing.
1: Right. Great. Correct. A
2: preference for the familiar over the unfamiliar. A rejection of the unusual or different. Um, A resistance to the reversal of fluctuating stimuli. And... um, so, a premature closure of things, and and a, a sort of early selection. And this feels to me much the, like, like the thing that relates most closely to what Peter's talking about is the early selection and maintenance of one solution in an ambiguous situation. You know, so to to stick with what you know. Yeah, yeah. And 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 if you know, yeah. And and sort of, I, I suppose you know, connected to that is this sort of unreasonable demand for overwhelming evidence before you change your behavior you know the the a sort of a, a privileging of of what's known yeah. and and a desire. so so the interesting uh, so that that's the that's what we mean by ambiguity version and i think i and i think that's this that is pretty makes does a pretty good job of what we mean, of capturing what we mean by ambiguity uh, by um binary thinking um, um so the things that um have been related to a tendency to be averse to ambiguity, are authoritarianism, um, dogmatism. Wait, sorry, the, mm. say
0: that again. The thing that uh, the so, things that
2: are related to being so so. If you are intolerant yeah. of ambiguity, yeah. you will also have a. You will be there. Will be a tendency for you to have certain other per, okay. personal characteristics, which are authoritarianism, mm-hmm. um, dogmatism, rigidity, uh, closed-mindedness, um, ethnic prejudice. Uh, lack of creativity anxiety um and aggression so all in all it's very hard it's yeah, not yeah. the
1: portrait of a really no, no, nobody wants person. to be that guy yeah. so don't be that guy yeah
0: but it is worrying because increasingly it, it does feel in our world that those sorts of traits yeah. are to the fore right and you can see it everywhere and especially you know on on as i've you know referred to social media yeah. you do or, see it everywhere but they, anyway
1: or, not I mean, yeah this is i mean the, whether or not they're to the fore or not they they they're certainly the most vocal and they're certainly the ones that get picked up by algorithms be they technical ones in facebook etc but also kind of the media because they they sell papers yeah. uh, having these extreme flip-flopping kind of uh, stories you know yeah Can, red Although, wine causes cancer red wine doesn't cause yeah it, i so. mean papers
0: have been around for a while right yeah. so but it, it yeah but i there's, think it
1: there's, is. A, but there's a, what i'm getting at there's like an algorithm manifest in, in 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 any given kind of media organization that's human driven and their algorithm is to sell is to maximize the of papers and the way they've stumbled across doing that is by being a bit a bit sort of out there with their story. Yeah,
2: it's worth saying that people, I mean, even though we're talking about this, it, it, so it's important to note, it's important not to tackle this from a binary you know, stand. Yeah, that's really are, bad. Like this is a this is a feature about people, which which is sort of higher or lower. It's not like you are this particular guy or not. And um, and uh, it, you know, in in particular, you uh, everyone is averse to some extent, averse to ambiguity. Mm. And you know, there are experiments where you offer people different types of gamble, and in some gambles you you give them more information or less information, and um, you know, people tend to go for uh, the gambles that are worse, but where they're more informed about how they're worse you know so so it's um it is uh, every i mean ambiguity aversion almost no one really loves ambiguity it's just so what this is why it's called you know uh, ambiguity intolerance it's like how to the extent to which you will seek to remove it from your life Mm. not actually loving it because i don't think anyone no Mm -hmm. one really loves ambiguity and and so uh as peter's saying news stories that that seem to tell us a story which is unambiguous are always going to be appealing mm. because they tell us a story about the world which is one that we want to hear
1: mm. yeah or it's one that's easy to grasp because mm. it's simple building on next point that everyone suffers from it it's, it's partly the way your brain is wired you know your your brain is a really amazing machine at, at quickly making decisions all the time without you really knowing about it it's just sucking in information and very quickly triaging what's vitally relevant at any given time to to allow you to continue to exist, to find food, to find food, to find a mate, etc. So often called the sort of heuristics, uh, the, the, the the sort of decision-making little algorithms that run that quickly help you make a decision. Um, to fight against those sort of system one kind of thinking is hard and effortful and difficult, and it requires you to do lots more research and reading and thinking and and sort of weighing up things. That's a very conscious thing to do. That most time, most of the time, most of the day, you haven't got time to do. So it's not not a bad thing inherently. What is a, what is a bad thing potentially is not realizing it's happening to you and not trying mm. to do. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. So yeah I you. think
2: it's the important thing is is drawing a distinction. Um, and and it's probably worth saying. I th- I think it's fair to say nobody thinks they're a binary thinker. Hmm. Um, I, the sensation of being a binary thinking a thinker. Is not where you go, oh, I don't like the mess in that situation. It's where you genuinely perceive it as a simple situation. Mm. You know, it's, it's, um, it, so you, that you see the simplicity as being in the world and not in your perception of gotcha. it. And that's, that's why, so we all, you know, if you, if you're inclined to look, if you, so listeners, if you are inclined to look at something like the education system, uh, in the UK and say, Well, you know, what I don't understand is why the government don't just, you know, pay teachers more. Or some other thing like that where you think, well, this this really obvious simple solution must fix these problems then then you'll do that's a kind of binary thinking right you you you, yeah. you think that this is a sim, that this is a simple problem with a simple yeah. solution and and it never is no problem in the real world is like that so so but that's how it feels it's like look this is obvious why don't they just do that or you know uh, these people are just evil or they're just stupid or some st- yeah. story like that that's- you know that's and 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 you know no one thinks well i'm i'm being too simplistic they think no the world is simplistic it's obvious those people are being stupid or evil or greedy yeah. um and if you find yourself thinking like that then, then that is almost certainly it's very very unusual that the world really is like that you know
1: yeah. it's a, and that's a very useful that you can train yourself to spot very easily that as soon as you grasp at a solution and you think oh isn't it obvious think to yourself if i've thought that then dozens of other people have probably yeah. thought that the <laughs> yeah. people in the people who are in charge of making the decisions have probably already thought of that and not done it for some reasons what are those reasons so hold on let's play devil's advocate
0: for a moment um because Thinking about this, we one area, one area, for example, that doesn't lend itself to ambiguity. You could say um, in decisions would be leadership. Okay, so for example, you want to hear from your president or your prime minister. This is the really you know simple. This is this is what we need to do, um, and it's as simple as that. And people, as we've discussed, would like that, right? And that's appealing that lack of ambiguity but but also taking that a little step further as long as you understand that you're being simplistic maybe it's mm. okay maybe not i don't know but what about uh peter this scenario that you might have um a th- thoughts on what about um in the military for example is there sometimes not room for that ambiguity you just need to do the clear thing like i tell you i quote my favorite soldier okay richard sharp okay yeah sometimes so he says sometimes you know the well known
1: historical figure. <laughs> hero it, of the napoleonic and mili- yeah. a military
0: strategist um but you know he would say you know sometimes it doesn't even matter if it's a bad decision just make a decision as long as you just do something
1: well i, I think is it i think that I, I don't see any distinction between the military world and normal business or normal life world i mean they're they're, they're both decision-making processes and collaborative decision-making processes in all of these places are trying to Deal with an ambiguous and uncertain world mm. to achieve some sort of aim. They're, they're they're equivalent in the military. There's it's probably possibly more extreme in certain ways because in a tactical environment you're having to make very quick, very high risk decisions based on quite messy, complicated information. Okay, um, that might be more extreme than in other places. Um, so it might be it might be more stark there. Um, but yeah, the, main, the military. Doctrine about how leadership and how management works is interesting because it it does it kind of it allows for both kind of extremes. So uh, very very high level, all the way down, like from a sort of target designated by the by the cabinet office or the by the war cabinet, to say bomb that particular target, through to uh, complicated messy warfare where actually nobody knows what's going on apart from the guy who's right next to the thing going on. Empower them to make the decision for themselves, give them the resources they need and trust them to, to do what they're going to do. So it allows kind of both. And it, it's it's perhaps stark because it's written down in doctrine and expressed in training as how this is done.
2: But I, I think you're, you're, you're confusing two different things there um, in the question, Fraser, because ambiguous situations don't Mm. necessarily call for ambiguous action, Mm. right? So if you're 51% sure that A is the right course of action and not B, Mm. you should wholeheartedly go for A, right? Mm. There might be no mix of A and B, like the real world, uh, when you're making a decision, it's an allocation of resources mm. and, um, you know, and, the, and, and they really resources can only be allocated one way or another. And if and if one course of action is slightly better, you know, in terms of expected reward, that's the one you should take. Um, that doesn't mean that you should think the world is simple, or that mm. you should round up fifty-one percent to a hundred percent. And and um, as you're alluding to, you know, in, in a lot of real life situations, um, you know that perhaps in five minutes' time you'll have more information and you'll be able to make a better decision. But it might be that actually all of the outcomes will be worse in five minutes because you'll have missed some opportunity that you're hoping to, uh, you know, hoping to to um, exploit. So so I yeah I would say I mean so nothing about being being or holding you know a view about the world that the world is you know quite um you know potentially complex and and difficult to understand and that you don't have all the information doesn't in any way mean that you should be wishy-washy about the way you behave towards yeah. it
0: yeah 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 quite um okay so
1: where do we want to go from here we we we're, we're fairly close actually surprisingly well I, I i want perhaps we can talk about practical steps that you as a are- as a thinker, as a decision maker, or an analyst, can sort of think about. Let's it. definitely uh, do that. Um, you know, are you going to give us examples of daily sort of uh, more, more kind of principles? Okay, um, but like, uh, uh, yeah, concrete outputs from the Elephant Insights podcast. Shock! Who knew? But
0: by the way, no. But wait, before we carry on, there's actually I did, I took some of our own advice from a recent podcast. Um, How did
1: it work out? And Is
2: now it, you're divorced and you're having to <laughs> your death sell to your you. house. That's why I'm looking a bit messy
1: today. Yeah. Is that yeah. why you brought a big bag around to Nick's house? Cause <laughs> you're it. Yeah, no, it was, it was. we did a podcast
0: on uh, procrastination, I think it was. And um, one of the things you talked about was engineering certain aspects of your life to remove um, barriers. Uh, yeah. So quite simply, I took um, Facebook and YouTube off my phone. Ah, oh. uh, because previously at some point I got into a habit of just before going to bed, sort of scrolling through Facebook, and just ended up sort of there for two hours looking at videos yeah. of, face- of videos of cats doing stuff. And how's it going? It's going
2: really well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that would be a really easy top recommendation. I, I would, you know, and I and because you might think, well, you, what would else would you be doing in that time? Well, the answer is sleeping, yeah. Yeah. getting up earlier the next day, being more productive. So yeah, actually, yeah. it is yeah, definitely clawing up that hierarchy
1: yeah. of procrastination. Yeah, and
0: yeah. in fact, something it maybe not. and it improves your mood, which, as we yeah, said, no, was definitely. one of the And actually, it's not exactly related, but I have got into a new habit recently, which is um, with my kids um in my bedroom listening to um Harry Potter on Audible mm. and it just it's great it just calms everyone down including myself and afterwards i just get lulled into a nice sleep and i last night i slept for 10 hours it's been I mean, well, it's just this great. Is
2: great so what can we do with so, uh, so, um, with ambiguity exactly, and binary thinking exactly, How can we fix because I,
0: I am quite i don't contradict me here but i know you, but i am quite simplistic in my thinking sometimes no, so 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 help help me and our listeners out peter go for so,
1: it so so i discovered quite a useful uh, taxonomy of different types of binary thinking which lead to like solutions for each type so it gives you this give you a framework for spotting if you're doing something that is a particular kind of binary thinking what can i do to address it and it is from uh, a website called clearer thinking Mm. uh, which i think is more or less run by a guy called spencer greenberg now he's i think he's a sort of uh, business practice thought leader or whatever that means. He sounds like one, doesn't he? I yeah. trust a guy called Spencer Greenberg. Yeah, uh, I think he's got. He certainly got some sorts of ties to the uh, effective altruism movement. Because I've seen, I've seen him. i have not personally seen him, but I've seen that he has spoken at some alt, effective altruism uh, forum things. Anyway, so there are sort of there are three kind of types. So there's the truth binary, and this is. Um, when you're considering a statement or a statement of fact or a piece of information, that it's either true or false. It's either mm. correct or incorrect. Um, so it's kind of simplifying, like taking that little one very one sentence or a paragraph that's probably quite woolly and still allows a lot of, sort of scope for possibilities as being true or not. And the solution to that is prob- what he calls probabilistic thinking. and you know, This means lots of other things to, to other people. But it's to consider what are... What are the chances of that thing being correct or correct? Does that does that comply with your intuition? Um, what would you expect? Uh, what would you? Um, how often would you expect that thing to be correct? And what? How surprising would it be if it was wrong? So ask yourself those kinds of questions, and that will help you unlock whether or not you're being oversimplistic. It sounds about. really complicated to me, but yeah, go on. It's, it's seriously yeah. it that. Okay. Uh, the second is uh, the goodness binary. So this is considering things about being either inherently good or inherently bad, good or yeah. evil. So things like saying, you know, voting for Trump is bad yeah. because yeah. Um, uh, it's a sort of moral absolutism. So the solution for this... He well, calls, like, I
2: suppose it's more that it's not, you know, you might think it was bad on balance um, voting for no, Trump. No, this is like... This it's is, it's this. like
1: saying, uh, oh, if you vote for Trump, you're therefore a kind you're of an evil, evil person, person who probably
2: yeah. tortures cats kind of
1: thing. Yeah, it's that, is that, kind of, that kind of assumption. So this is bringing a load of baggage with somebody else's decision or statement um, that they're either a sort of evil or a, or a morally good person. So the solution for this is what he calls grey thinking and this is to accept that the things are more nuanced and more complex than they would appear at first glance um, so it's kind of like uh, the you know, assume that there are always upsides and downsides or good reasons and bad reasons for everything um not putting kind of more all your moral eggs into one basket yeah. um so asking yourself what are the what are the, what are the pros and cons of that statement or that decision um who suffers and who benefits from that particular decision or from that particular point of view um, and uh, where's the value it, where's the, and, look, and actively looking for the value in things that you don't like or don't agree with because it might be that there is some and that unlock as to why it was done that way and then thirdly and finally is what's called the identification binary um, so this is this is very much Nick mentioned this. This is in, in the sort of the psychology of things. This is trying to put things in definite, clearly defined buckets with very thick black lines in between them, and accepting that there aren't these hard lines. So this is like thinking to say, "Well, if you're not with us, you're against us." This oh. is the thinking that makes you think that um, people are either left wing or right wing. Um, you're either a citizen of the country or you're an alien. There's a sort of very binary classification of things. And the solution to this is multi factor thinking this is to, to to accept that there are fuzzy edges between categories and categories are just labels that are kind of convenient shorthand for actually a multi- big bag of lots of different attributes that things might have and so that you know a, a person isn 't just left wing or right wing they have lots, lots of different sliders on lots of different axes mm. which put them in a certain place okay there's a problem with this though
0: which is the 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 sorts of people who might be open to this you know, analysis, are precisely the sorts of people who already sort of, let's say, open-minded or non-binary thinking, whereas um, people who are quite binary thinkers are just going to hear that going, that's a load of old rubbish, that, and he's, you know, so... You're just trying to make us
2: all, you know, denying that, that, you know, actually... The world is clear. Yeah. And you're just trying to bring in a load of mess. It's kind of like you're trying to like yeah. the Russians and trying to trying to devalue conversation by, you know, introducing loads of noise into it. It's, yeah. It's,
0: you know, all this sort of kind of nuanced thinking. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You sort of sheeple joke, you know, go back. Yeah, to. Yeah. But um, I, I don't think anyone I don't think uh, there not there aren't that many of those kinds of people i think you're binary thinking your way into seeing that in places <laughs> yeah. where yeah. i mean it's not admittedly, effective is, so why should we bother there are some it? people in uh yeah. on my facebook feed where yeah. i can predict exactly the view they will have based right. on other things they've posted and you know that so it's, it's definitely true some some people are simpler than others but but uh, <laughs> I, I think people who are you know really that rigid in the way they think are pretty rare And
0: I know that none of our podcast listeners are going to be. No, no, They're not like that. They're not like that. But also actually, and actually on that note, talking about podcast listeners is, you know, I think it's a truism that the reason why, for example, in the States you get right wing shock jocks, shock jocks, um, but you don't, I think you don't really get left wing shock jocks is because it's being shocking and liberal is quite difficult. Whereas being shocking and right-wing is actually quite Well, easy. I think, I
2: think the, the, that um, would, the, you could probably analyse that by saying the mainstream culture has s- so heavily influenced by sort of progressive thought that progressivism doesn't seem yeah. shocking. But, yeah, you know, yeah. 50 years ago, progressivism was shocking. True, actually. Too, if you're you saying let's
0: have gay rights and all this other yeah. stuff, that would be quite shocking. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it somehow doesn't lend itself to being sort of shouty and ranty. Maybe it Well, does. it does. I Maybe mean, look at people
2: like John Oliver. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Fair enough.
0: Um, Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah um okay yeah.
2: what we what we haven't discussed is where is where peter should go to live to to be among the most ambiguity to ambiguity uh, we tolerant people we need to discuss that in about a minute or so okay so uh let's discuss well, it well it's it's uh so this is uh we've mentioned this chap a few times actually who, Peter coghill no hirt hofstetter
0: oh uh, yeah that the guy who about. does
2: cultural dimensions now I'm. I, I have put exactly as much faith in these as I think anyone else should. Which is, you know, they're interesting, but that's not. They probably, in some sense, don't tell us a great deal. But it was interesting anyway to look at one of their um, axes, which is uncertainty um, avoidance. So they have an uncertainty avoidance index, which looks just looks at in different countries. Um, you know, culturally, the extent to which people uh want you know, are happy with situations which are quite uncertain. Okay now this isn't exactly the same as ambiguity uh intolerance. I should say that. But it's it, not. No it, 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 ambiguity and uncertainty, in practice, there's not it's not much of a theoretical distinction between them. But in practice it comes down ambiguity is about where well, you don't really know how to think about something yeah. whereas you can have uncertainty when you're very very clear so for example a coin toss you you sort of you're probably pretty comfortable oh, okay. with it's 50 50 it's not ambiguous but it is uncertain yeah yeah. yeah okay there isn't actually deeper down it's there similar is enough, less it. similar enough, well though. if i said oh, i'm gonna roll a die but i'm not telling you how many sides the die has that's ambiguity. But if, if I tell you it's a six-sided dice and you have to guess on guess what the chance of a six is, that's just uncertainty kind of thing.
0: I think for the purpose of our conversation right now, I'm going to personally treat them as the same. Yeah okay, Go good for it.
2: So the top, the, the top 10, like most tolerance of uncertainty, uh, the top 10 least avoiding, the countries which are most comfortable with uncertainty and, and okay. ambiguity. Um, Singapore, Jamaica, Denmark, Hong Kong, Sweden. now this might surprise you, China. Yeah. Vietnam, Great Britain, Ireland, and Malaysia. So we've got a bunch of Southeast Asian countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have, you know, uh, we've got sort of Ireland and Great Britain in there, and and Denmark. You know, so we could say sort of probably Northern Euro- Europe, yeah. kind of broadly. Yeah. And um
0: and Southeast Asia.
2: Yeah. Are coming out top there.
0: I uh, something by the way, you might you might feel I'm cheating. I would have predicted this because pre- I was going to say East Asia, Right. because um, I was going to say Japan, which was not in there, but we did get China. Um, and I would say on the other list it's going to be surely the US is going to be up there. But anyway, let, let, go for it. No,
2: so so actually, so the t- the bottom ten, yeah. and, and it doesn't cover every country in the world, by the way. It's, mm. it's only a subset. Um, El Salvador, <laughs> Russia, okay. Uruguay, Guatemala, Portugal, Greece. I think we're talking about collection. Mediterranean countries and South South America there, Central, but also yeah. Benelux, Benelux, so Belgium and Netherlands i mean but the interesting thing is 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 russia there and and how Russia and China were really at really opposite ends of the spectrum yeah now i this is where I begin to wonder if these are not just sort of just so stories but uh, uh the 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 apparent explanation for china is that that is that it says you know in, in um in uh, it, although there's a lot of rules and laws in, in China, mm-hmm. they're quite flexible and pragmatic about mm-hmm. the way they're applied mm-hmm. and, and that they, the Chinese themselves and the Chinese langu- various Chinese languages are kind of amb- full of ambiguous meanings mm-hmm. and um, hard for Westerners to, to follow because mm-hmm. of that. And um, mm-hmm. they're adaptable. They've got an adaptable sort of entrepreneurial culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Russians at the other end, are bo- both looking at communist former communist countries, mm-hmm um feel threatened by ambiguity and have very complex bureaucracies and they've very they go into a lot of very detailed planning about things they really like to try and reduce uncertainty about things mm. that's the uh, that's the allegation anyway that's the story that has been told mm. explaining those those scores mm. um but th- there we are anyway i thought it was interesting
1: well, that is
0: interesting that interesting yeah yeah um, look, we're going to have to stop there. Is there anything burning you want to say, Peter?
1: Well, just just very quickly, it was a good opportunity to give another shout out. I've done it several times before to a brilliant website, and it forms a good basis for thinking about how you think, which is the uh, the retrological fallacies by uh, information is on information is beautiful website by David McCandless. We'll put a put a link in the description. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Check it out. I shall check it out. Let's see what I can learn from this podcast. I think I'll just start treating these podcasts as self-help sessions for me. So so yeah. Um okay. Well, if we can help you, we can help anyone. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well said. Okay. All right, we'll stop there. Um, thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>